Um, okay. Welcome to Black Girl from Eugene. This is Naisha Elliott. How are you doing? Um, I'm. This is a little different for me because I've never recorded and put this on Facebook. I'm looking for my phone right now. Uh, been on Facebook and did this, so please bear with me as we get this together. <laughs> Martin Alum, you are here with us. I am so. I say us like there's more than just me, but there's really just me. <laughs> I'm going to say us as everyone who's watching this video and listening to this video. So, Martin, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, we are going to talk about something that is dear to my heart. And I and I say dear to my heart because it's something that I've worked, had to contend with all of my working life. I started working when I was 19, um, in like independently in the medical field. And then now I'm 43, I'll be 44 soon, and I still am working in this within the system, right? So we're talking about working in a white supremacist system. And I, and I want to, uh, I just love that, you, that we have crossed paths and that we're gonna do this. I hate that our time got cut short for lots of other reasons, but um, we're gonna have, if this doesn't get all the way through in this 45 minutes we have, we're gonna do a part two. Yeah. That's a guarantee. Okay. <laughs> All right. So tell me what what made you want to reach out so we can get this going. I mean, I could I could start, but I don't want to be the one to start. I want to get you started. <laughs> okay. Um. So this really starts. Uh, this all kind of started with a situation that I caught myself in at work. And so, um, I work in uh, healthcare. I work as a frontline worker, and um. You know, and part of what I do when I work, uh, we work in a field where it's like super regulated, you know, uh, following policy, following procedures, pretty much the bread and butter of working as a uh, tech. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, one day I was working and um, in the place I work, since I work in retail pharmacy, uh, we have our uh, tech policies that we have to follow and we also have the store policies that we have to follow too. Right. So we're kind of in this, uh, you know, this double policy world where you have to follow two different two different people telling you what to do, and um, sometimes that can be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. okay? And so um, one day uh, I'm coming to work and I'm looking at uh, the system, and it shows that uh, I'm I have like these uh, things called exceptions, which are um, how we pretty much run uh, employment uh, for retail. It's based off of attendance. The more the uh, more uh, points you have, the more at risk you are, you are at for being fired. And um, on top of that, um, managers and uh, people who work in management have the ability to remove uh, exceptions or to remove those things if um, they're suspect or something doesn't seem right about them to kind of help mitigate the mitigate the idea of like just getting an exception randomly. Right. So. Um, back in December, I had received a uh, event exception, which is a double exception for a day that we had as an event. And it was a little confusing to me because uh, we didn't have an event that day. Nobody had said anything about us having an event. And so I brought that up to my uh, manager. My manager was completely dismissive of it, though. Uh, ignored the, uh, you know, kind of seemed like he wanted to ignore the fact that that was even a thing. And I brought it up. Uh, to the uh, lead tech at first, you know, he said there was nothing to do to wait till the manager get uh, got back. I had to take leave of absence for uh, COVID because uh, I had had a COVID scare when I went down to California, uh -huh. and so I hadn't uh, at the time known that I had those exceptions. When I had gotten to um, 
you know, two weeks, three weeks had passed, and I was still bringing up this uh, this point, still bringing up this idea. Um, and it finally got to my manager's attention, uh, completely dismissive of it, didn't want to uh, believe that it was a thing. Uh, I said he had dealt with a similar situation with another employee, and that it wasn't uh, disputable, and that he didn't want to talk about it. And so I was like, okay. So I go, and I... Uh, Tell him I'm going to talk to the uh, people uh, manager. Yeah. Uh, because he says he doesn't know, um, he didn't know that there was an event uh, and he didn't have a calendar to look. So I go back. Uh, <laughs> That's a low effort there. right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So I go back, uh, talk with the people manager. You know, long story short, uh, she's not able to find uh, the calendar. So she offers to help me. Uh, explain the situation to the manager, you know, explain, hey, this is what actually went down, this is what actually happened, uh, I don't I don't think it's a, something that's worth, uh, you know, not speaking over. Um, turns out my boss had sent her an email saying, uh, this employee is going to come back here uh, to complain about this um, uh, exception, and I've already told them that it's not disputable, uh, you know, don't bring it up, you know, just like in this matter-of-fact tone. While he goes back to uh, talk to the manager, and the uh, the uh, store manager tells him, "Oh yeah, there was an event," even though nobody else in the store knew that there was an event. Uh-huh. So he's getting this, you know, he's getting this information from one person, while everyone else is telling um, you know, him something different. And so, you know, this all leads up to uh, me sitting there deciding whether or not I should uh, submit a uh, ethics complaint. Right. Because normally in those types of situations, you would go, you would file that complaint and be done with it. Because, you know, it's obvious that this person wasn't following policy. Nobody else knew there was an event. Uh, a bunch of people were having this issue. You know, uh, the uh, people even told me that a bunch of people were having this issue. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, on the one hand, I'm like, okay, let me bring this up to the, the higher-ups. Let me tell them, like, this is what's happening at our store. On the other hand, though, I'm freaking out because if I bring up this information and tell these higher-ups then I'm putting myself at risk because I can't stay anonymous. I can't right. get, uh, hide behind the system because they know I was the one who, you know, pushed this towards uh, you know, bringing it up to the, like I said, bringing it up to the higher-ups. Mm-hmm. Nobody else would have done that. Mm-hmm. You know, they would have uh, found somebody else to get rid of the exception, but there was nobody else for me to do that, you know? Dang, so you got laid out in front of the, okay, see, this is what I hear. Mm-hmm. First of all, he didn't have any interest in what the hell you were talking about. Period. He wasn't interested. He didn't do any research. He no. didn't put any time in. He didn't give you any compassion. And on top of it, he's gonna throw you under the bus and make you an example. Yeah. That's exactly. what, that's what I hear. Is that? I mean. Okay. So then what? What happened? So did you end up? I mean, did you decide? Because you you have what you have is your job, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have any future jobs that you could get. Because this dude sounds like he's a little petty, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like yeah. He's trying to see, he's trying to like CYA cover himself. Mm-hmm. When the truth of it is, is that there was something going on, and he should have known it, and he didn't know it. Is that what it sounds like? Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. And it's like it sounds like he didn't even want to do the do the work to figure out what was actually going on. And so, and we can assume of, since you live in Eugene and work in Eugene that this is a white dude in a mm-hmm. white place. Any other co- any other coworkers of color? Uh, there's one other. Uh, he would, the the other coworker was the one who uh, caught the exception too. Oh. Mhm. Oh, so y'all just causing trouble. <laughs> That's how they look at it, right? They look at it causing, uh, like you're causing trouble. So how did it resolve? What's up? Did it resolve? Uh, we're still in the middle of it, and it's funny you say that too 
because um, when I was bringing it up, he, his situation was the first situation that he brought up. He's like, you know, this person's having the same situation, and uh, I didn't do it for him, so I'm not going to do it for you. Or I'm like, whoa, okay, we have different. First off, how you even know our situations are the same thing? Right. You know, uh, different situations, different people. Um, so he didn't put it all together. Yeah, exactly. And so I submitted the uh, complaint to ethics, you know. I was freaking out uh, at work, you know, while getting ready to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, showed some of the other coworkers, uh, you know, make sure I wasn't uh, doing anything crazy. Uh, they had all agreed with me, even the, uh, the other pharmacists had agreed with me. And so went ahead, submitted it, went back and uh, talked with the uh, other co-lead mm-hmm. uh, a few days later. Because, uh, it, it, you know, just wasn't sitting right with me. And, um, you know, he was back there. So I was like, hey, might as well say something. Right. We go, we find the calendar, we both uh, look at the calendar, there's no event. And so, we, you know, right, th- right then and there, we both proved that, like, this is an issue. And so, my uh, that person, he was able to go in, he was able to remove the exception. My boss doesn't know that that person went in and did that. Oh. <laughs> so he also still- doesn't know that I submitted that uh, complaint to ethics. So we're so still waiting. I, you know, I, I caught myself in another situation, basically. So I uh, submitted a uh, email to ethics saying, like, hey, you know, don't bring this back up. But it's like, you know, this this brings it into the bigger picture. Or, you know, why we're having this uh, discussion is like, why do I have, to, you know, these people still did something wrong. Right. Why do I still, why do I have to go and cover myself in order to make sure that, you know, I'm looking at favorable uh, at the higher ups of my uh, job, you know? I mean, okay, so... This is the thing. I always look at it for people who, who don't believe that racism is a thing, right? Mm-hmm. So this is one thing that I, I tell people and I, and I literally teach people. It's like if you're working with black folks, black children, black teenagers, black employees, and they are telling you something that's happening and you don't think that race is going to be a component immediately, like you need to first start. And people are like, oh, you're just pulling the race card or you're just trying to, you're just always making it about race. Now look. We live in the United States of America. It is about race all the time. It's constantly here. It's nothing that we, there's no part of what we do that doesn't have a race component to it, period. There, I mean, tell me one time that there is not a race component. I mean, I'm going to tell you like this. When I was 19 and I started working in the healthcare industry, I was in Houston. So everybody that I worked with was black like and Latino, right? And so... Race was still an issue. Colorism was an issue. Our, our higher ups, most of the physicians were white, right? The higher ups who hired the physicians were white. So it, no matter what we did, even when we had community of black folks and Latin folks, we still had to answer to somebody who's going to tell us whether or not we're appropriate or not appropriate and, they, and still not be comfortable with who we are as people. Because we live in the United States. They don't see us as people. And then when we're in a crowd of people, like you said, you two together, or you causing trouble, like two black folks, the only two black people there, right? In the whole damn thing, right? So it's like you're carrying this burden on your shoulders already for, first of all, being a man, a black man, um, uh, who is not does not have a community around you, does not have supervisors that are backing you up, does not have the... the um, What's the word I'm looking for? Like, the benefit of the doubt, systematically. So, yeah, what you're saying is that, of course, systematically, where do we go? Systematically. Like, I mean, when I worked in Texas, it was a beautiful thing. Like, I, uh, it was so much fun. And most of the doctors who were white 
were cool. Because they're used to black folks. They're used to Latino folks. They want the same kind of white folks that we're dealing with up here. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. It's a different kind of white person who's comfortable with race, who's comfortable with being white while I'm being black. We, we're comfortable, right? We can talk to each other, right? So so the, the difference wasn't like stark like that. It became more of, along the lines of, um, I could say character mattered more um, there, but at the same time, systematically, they didn't have a lot of choice either, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but when I came here working in the medical field from Texas, it's like all of a sudden, you, it's, like, it's like night and day. I, I am the subject of everything that I do, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think people quite understand how tough it is to try to ignore... I don't know that we're ignoring it, but try to work around white folks' ignorance about their own racism, even when they're trying to be do-gooders. You know what I mean? Like, okay, for example, the, the other person that you worked with who is a, who is a upper, who, who basically believed you, mm-hmm. did, what else did he do for, about that? Uh, you know, he, he didn't say anything to anybody. He didn't, uh, he didn't bring it up. You know, he's just like, hey, I'll take care of it. I'll take, uh, you know, get rid of it. And it was just, uh, there and done. Oh, so he did take care of it. He took care of it for you? Yeah, he, oh, okay. Yeah, he took care of it for me. Okay, okay. I was going to say, I thought he didn't do anything. I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to need you to step up, brother. <laughs> but he took care of it and, and, and was able to do it. Okay, so now how... Now I'm just sitting here. Okay, look, as people are watching me, I'm eating my lunch and I'm listening to you talk. So please get comfortable. <laughs> get comfortable. Um, so now, how do you feel being that you know that's kind of over your head now? You don't. He doesn't know what you did. It's kind of out there. Like, is he gonna find out? So, are you looking for another job? <laughs> I mean, part of me, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I went out. And I started looking for another job because I'm like, uh, at the end of the day. You know, this is a this is a retail job. You know, with the with the systems, with the structures that we have in place, mm-hmm. this is something that's going to come back and it's going to bite me. You know, I, I was uh, you know sitting around talking to some of the other coworkers. You know, I was asking them, like, hey, is this something that you think this guy's going to hold against you? One person, they're like, you know, he's probably not going to say anything. He's probably going to you know push it underneath the rug. Mm-hmm. But he's definitely going to you know it's definitely going to be something that bothers him. Another person's going to be like, uh, another person was like. Um, uh, you know, uh, it's probably gonna, it's probably gonna hurt you, but you know, it's, it was the right thing to do, you know. Uh, and so it's like everyone's already acknowledging that this is something that is probably gonna be an issue. Damn, if you're acknowledging that this is gonna be an issue. That tells me I, I picked the wrong job to start. To start with, see yeah. now this is the thing. I don't think people give. I don't, this is like we have these moments that you know when you're, you're uh, when we are looking for jobs. I wonder, like, how many jobs would we really be able to take and get if we started these questions in our interview? You know how they ask, well, do you have any questions for us? And you go, yeah, let me talk about your race policy and your in, and your equity policy and what your consequences for when you cross those lines. Who is the, do you have a committee? Like, I'll, you start asking those questions. How many jobs would we get if they, if, with the, if they were, like, robust, like, yeah, this is what we do. We have a center for... For, you know, we have a committee that meets uh, weekly and we discuss about, you know, white supremacy and systematic threat. We, t- we bring all our policies through this. We make sure that they're reviewed and we make sure that our policies are, you know, and this team is made up of black and brown people. Blah, blah. I mean, we, don't, we would not have a job, right? We would not have a job. How many places can we say are structurally 
supportive of equity, right? Because most people don't, rec- they, they're going to sit here, they recognize racism, and they're going to make it your problem. Right? Because that whole situation is like, yeah, but you did it, so I would stop. I mean, like, how is it your problem? Why is nobody going, we need to talk about why y'all were, you know, why can't we go to the uppers, the upper folks, and talk about why you guys were treated this way? Instead, they're like, yeah, but um, I heard they're hiring. <laughs> like, why did that just become your thing? You know what I'm saying? And then us. Look at us. We're like, damn, I guess I can get another job here and here and here. We, you know, because what else are we going to do? This is what the part where systematic racism shows up every day that part of the, the pressure that black folks and brown folks have being working in all white spaces, right? And people have, uh, white folks have a really hard time, and some black folks have a hard time understanding what I mean when I say white spaces. Like, you know, white spaces is, is when you have a, a system that says what white does is what's normal. Mm-hmm. You know? So when we, if we're in Eugene and we go, to the movie spa- when we go to the movie theater, that's a white space. We can't, be, we can't be what we do in our own neighborhood in that space. You know what I'm saying? We can't be open to be who we are. Mm-hmm. You're not getting fair, fair acknowledgement or equal treaty, a treatment, or even the, the possibility of being heard by your supervisors, considering that you might have been discriminated against mm-hmm. in a way that doesn't make it personal to them. Mm-hmm. Why are they taking it personally? Yeah. What the hell is this dude mad about? <laughs> yep. And you know, it's, it's uh, funny too, because when you uh, go onto the um, ethics site uh, for the place that I work at, mm-hmm. um, or Oregon, they actually have a separate line now for uh, discrimination. And so it's like uh, you have ethics right here, and it says uh, underneath that, for Oregon uh, folks who are, who are experiencing discrimination, uh, this is what you have to deal with. So the, the company is acknowledging that discrimination is uh, way higher up here in Oregon mm-hmm. than it is in other places. Do they list but, what discrimination is? Yeah, exactly. They don't list what discrimination is. Mm-hmm. They don't, uh, you know, they don't put that you know, you might be experiencing it in the workplace, making it impossible for you to even, uh, you know, make that claim. <laughs> no, they're not saying that. As far as I'm concerned, I've had multiple times, you know, multiple instances where, you know, I was, I experienced discrimination, racism, you know, all of it. Right. Just, I, it's where I had to go and I've had to make uh, reports because of, uh, the other staff members wanted me to make reports or wanted me to uh, speak out on something. And so, you know, Kind of, it's, you know, it's a little, it's a little weird if you ask me. No, you know, say that this is this is what we're focused on, where we're combating discrimination, yet to put somebody in a situation to where that's all they're experiencing. No, I need you to describe discrimination. This is what happens. People put this up on the Black Lives Matter. I need you to understand what what are we talking about? You put the sign up there. <laughs> so if the police are if the police are chasing me, can I dip up in here? What is happening when you don't understand what you think that you're trying to stand up for? The truth of it is, what is discrimination? When it comes to discrimination and racism is two different things. I mean, they work in similar ways. Discrimination, you can discriminate by being racist, but racism (laughs) is racism, right? You know what I'm saying? And then there's anti-blackness, where it's just like, you do not put up, you know, absolutely absolved to not deal with black issues, black people, black, you know, wellness at all. There's anti-blackness too. So, 
when you say discrimination on your website, I need you. Are you talking about ableism? Are you talking about gender issues? You talking about racism? Like which discriminate? Which discriminatory actions or or factions are you actually talking about? Are you just saying discriminatory? Period. That leaves it very open because then now you get to tell me what that means, which is also not okay. That that's also putting it in a way that is still protective of them instead of, of building equity. This is scary for white folks, though. I mean, let's just be real. When they start to understand that they need to, or that they haven't been equitable in their approach to employment, and how much, because they, they think in numbers and lawsuits and shit, right? So they, so they think about the, the vengeance, the revenge of it all. We're just trying to keep a job where we don't feel stressed out when we, leave, when we come in and when we leave, right? It's like these two different perspectives of as soon as we give them a let edge, they're going to come after us, right? Exactly. I mean, I don't know. I'm going to ask you. Most black folks I know just trying to be here and be, like, not stressed out. Like, we're just trying to take the, the stress level down <laughs> 55 notches, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Around existing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I do know, but I think we need to acknowledge how much fear is around in these policies? How much fear is around when you start making shit vague? That just screams racism. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that wasn't there when you first started. The little discrimination. Uh, no. Yeah, no, that wasn't there when I first started. So it can't be just because of you. They must be getting way more. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. They must be getting something's happening. Something's happening. They're getting way more uh, complaints if they're having to put something up on their website. I don't know. This doesn't sound good. Yeah, I don't know. So, in your job search, what are you looking for? Not like in terms of of, um, places to work, but like what are you looking for? I mean, you are in Eugene, right? It's like, right? Yeah, I'm in Eugene. So, (laughs) I'm like, in the line of work that you do, looking for something black owned might might not work out for you. Right. Um, so, what's your approach now? Are you just looking for somewhere else, or are you just trying to to find something specifically, or, or what do you think? Well, now, uh, you know, this is this also kind of you know adds into you know my uh, discussion really is um you know when I'm looking for when I've been uh, looking for jobs or looking for work, you know, I know what it is I want to do. You know, I want to go into public health. I want to you know be able to do. You know, I want to be able to do those things. I want mm-hmm. to be able to work with the county. I want to be able to work uh, with uh, some of those systems to, you know, change them in order mm-hmm. to make them better and stuff. And so, I know what I want to do, but the systems are the systems have already been put in place that keep you from being able to do those things. Right. So, like, in order to work in public health, you know, to work as a uh, as a uh, public health worker, mm-hmm. you have to have a master's degree. You know, there's there's no getting past that. There's no uh, there's no saying like, oh, you know, I have my uh, my four year degree, my bachelor's or whatever, and I can uh, jump in and you know be be a good worker. Right. Even though you might know, even though you might know you have the skills or you might have that skill set, you might have the tools that's necessary to do those things. Because now there's a checkbox in the in the way for you to keep you from doing those things. Mm-hmm. You can't do them anymore. Right. And so I'm finding myself in the situation to where you know I'm on paper. I'm not qualified enough to get into the work that I want to do, mm-hmm. but 
in terms of actual experience and uh, research and, and you know those types of things, I'm more than qualified to do that type of uh, to do those work to do that work. And so, had catch twenty two, you know. So um, I'm looking for work, you know, uh, looking to you know find something that I can say, hey, this is a, a good way for me to start a career in, but constantly having to go back and constantly having to look at retail or look at these other positions or look at, you know, look at something that I don't really want to do because those are the positions that I can fill that don't have a checkbox. Right. That I need to fill. So now the argument there is that mm-hmm. you have to be qualified, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Master's degree qualifies you. Um, some sort of higher education qualifies you. And then we have to go back to the systematic racism. How, what the percentage of black men graduating from the, the, with a bachelor's degree, the a percentage of black men graduating with master's degree or PhDs, right? In the field that you're even talking about, or just period. And then they go, they go, but why? Why are the numbers so low? What's going on? But then again, systematically, they're not looking at where the, the blockage to access is. Where is the resources not coming through? What happened in high school in science class when you wanted to be, you know, what what treatment, what support, what education, then what scholarships, what, you know, uh, advantages were you given at all? What resource, what access, what anything was given to make sure that you landed in the school? Then when you you were in the school because we're surrounded in white space, what access resource did you, was blocking you, right? And, and it's all, it's social, it's economic, it's emotional, it's spiritual, it's all of these things because we live in the United States, which is anti-black in its essence of who it is. So any institution that's built from the basis of this country is built to keep us, us black folks, at the lowest common denominator, like the lowest, right? So when people are like, well, just go get a master's, it's not just like, just go get a master's, right? Yeah. You got to maintain a job that's being racist, who's trying, and then you're going to try to have to pay your rent. And everything else with all the pressure of the racism that you're receiving at work while then you go to school and continue to have a barrage of blockage to the access that you need to be successful in a master's program and at the same time try not to have debt if you're going to get a scholarship if it's possible to do that then you have to work some more i mean it becomes where it's like what is what's what's keeping you going not because because the list is very long of why you wouldn't make it through Right, and if people go, oh, well, it's really hard to get a master's degree, blah blah. Look, I get it. The education part is is for everybody to understand that you are being, you're getting a master's degree. You're get, you're trying to be specialized in something, but we're talking about access. We're talking about you know systematic block to to success for black people. Now, every black person who has a master's degree doesn't necessarily have the same stories, right? But if you talk to somebody who's got a master's and PhD, they will tell you the exact same uh, experiences, right? They all experienced ways and and um, and straight up direct racism and bigotry as they are trying to move through their move move through their degrees, right? Um, so I I hear you hundred and ten percent on that, especially as a black man. I remember when I was getting my bachelor's degree, I was like. I was in California, so there was black folks down there, um, and I remember being. I, I have a the my nursing de- my degree is actually in uh, psychology, but I have a degree in nursing, and so I was in this uh, an associate's, and I was in this degree p- program uh, t- 
to, to go and get my bachelor's and I was in an advanced biology, organic biology class. And I was sitting there and um, the teacher was this old Jamaican dude, a black short little guy. And he was like mean as hell. He was so mean. And he was like, he, uh, he looked around and he said, well, this is the first time in 30 years that I've taught this class that's all women. Right? Now, right? And I was, and I was, I didn't even know. I looked around and was like, damn, there's not a man in here. Right? And then I started to see how many people of color were in the class. Right? Now, women, together, we move into the education system. We're like, okay, you know, women were, 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 were seeing each other. We're with, but we, black women still are in the back of that pack. Right? Black women still. But as I got my associates and went on to my bachelor's degree, the less and less people of color I saw. Uh-huh. Now, here comes my train. But um, it's not because it's not wanted. It's not because we're not capable or able. That's the whole thing. And that ain't the problem. Like you said, if they gave you a chance, you can do the job. <laughs> if they gave you a chance, you know. Um, and when I look at it, I was just looking for my, uh, I was thinking about going into counseling, like, just because I, that's what I do, basically, in everything that I do, I'm counseling. So I thought about it, and I started looking up stuff, and I was, and one of the things that you have to get through is, mul- is multiculturalism and, and ethics, right? And I was just like, who's teaching? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, who's, whose class do I have to pass to get this master's degree? Still, a white curriculum, white folks telling me how to appropriately be closer to whiteness, right? Uh-huh. Not that it's going to be anything that's actually culturally relevant for me or my people. Uh-huh. And that's something that we have to swallow in order to get up to our master's degree. And hopefully, we can maintain our core of who we are, right? And then yeah. turn around and create some shit with our master's degree and our PhDs, right? Yeah. I have a lot of friends who have PhDs. My, I have a nephew and a brother who have a PhD. I have a lot of friends who have uh, who have master's degrees. Um, and like I said, I'm thinking about getting my master's degree. I don't know though, you know, because I it's like when you know so much about the system, you're just like, do I ugh, do I want the white man letter behind my name? I'm not sure if it matters. But if you're gonna work within the system, it absolutely matters. Mm-hmm. So how do you gain access? Yeah. Yeah, that's the question. That's the question. That's, that's that's really where we're at right now. You know, I think um, you know part of it is figuring out. You know, where where are these barriers? Because we already know where these barriers are. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, you go and you ask any uh, you go to any black community, you go to any uh, community of uh, people of color, and you say, hey, where do y'all need help? What's going on? We can tell you, you know, right off the bat, this is what this is where we need help. In this is what's going on, and you know, X, Y, and Z, but. On the other side, you know, it's looking at you know, looking at it on the other side. You know, looking at uh, folks uh, from the other perspective. Are you capable of making the long term changes in order to help us make a better system so that you know the uh, next generation doesn't have to ask these questions? You know, so that you know the you know the people who come after me yep. don't have to say uh, this is what I need to do in order to be successful. You know, they can just. They just have the tools readily available for them, you know, so that uh, they don't have to deal with the same types of uh, biases we have to deal with. And it's going to take a while for us to get there. That's for sure. I don't ever want to be the person who's like, are we going to get there? But, (laughs) but, you know, um, 
hard when you talk to people who are, you know, benefiting from the system that don't even recognize the system. And we're here. Like, I'm still talking about, my dad was talking about this. He's 77, you know what I mean? And so, what what has changed, like, in this conversation? What's Where's the movement? And I guess I want to say that the movement has come with the internet, where... It's harder to act like it's not real when you're seeing it on a constant, on a constant, you know, um, like playback. I guess um, we're able to access each other without accessing each other. Like I can, I can dip into somebody else's cultural page and like watch, you know, and not have, not be there. Like I, I can just be observing and looking and learning, and you know, um, so. Our lives are kind of on display. Our interests are on display. What we look at is on display, and uh, but that that consciousness, looking at what's going on with the capital and these white folks having this cultural crisis that they're having, like they they are having a cultural crisis, a, a complete meltdown, and we're all witnessing it. That I think is what's different, maybe. But I don't think that this is something that I mean maybe in the United States, but with the, with the knowledge and access or knowledge and, and uh, numbers and, and uh, education that black folks have while white folks are melting down is different. You know what I'm saying? That's a little different. Um, but we're watching a straight up meltdown of the system and I'm looking at what they're trying to save. And that does not give me hope. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's like you're going for the wrong thing to save. You need to let some of that go and recreate something else. And they still have this like, like systematic white man's guilt or something that they can't just go. You know what? We we can't. We don't know what we're doing. We need to pull in other folks to do this. We need to recreate this space. We now people talk about it, but who's doing it? Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's it's, it's ironic though because. You know, in order to in, in order to even have that understanding of like, you know, we need other people to come in and help us to do that. You know, to have the understanding that your education hasn't equipped you to the to the level that you you, know, you needed to do, and so that um, really just involves a bunch of white people coming around and saying like, hey, I'm not smart enough. You know, I'm not the smartest person in the room. I'm not this. I'm not the uh, person who's equipped to handle this situation. And nothing, you know, right now, there's nothing in media that tells you you aren't the smartest person in the room. You know, we just had a president who was, you know, who considered himself the smartest person in the room. You know, facts be damned. You know, he, facts he be damned. <laughs> yeah, he made experts look like, uh, you know, just the little guys. Mm -hmm. and so it's like when you're when you're in that kind of situation, you're going to have to do, you know, you're going to have to do a lot of work to get folks to even come back to that mirror in the first place. You know, uh, you look at, uh, I, I think your name was Marjorie, mm -hmm. uh, the, the senator who, uh, or not senator, the House of Representatives, who they had just voted to uh, remove her uh, committee assignment. The Green, uh, Green, yeah. Yeah. It took, um, you know, all that, you know, everything that was exposed, and only one additional person, you know, only one additional Republican, you know, that voted against her. Mm -hmm. and, you know, not, this isn't to say this is something that's against party lines or anything like that. That's just a fact, you know. Right. Like all of this stuff, and you know, people are okay with it. Mm -hmm. The fact that there are people who are okay with it, people who encourage it, should tell you that, uh, you know, uh, we, you know, we got a, we got a lot of work that we have to do. You know, that maybe that's looking at a different culture, 
maybe that's uh, traveling somewhere, you know, going and spending some time underneath, uh, uh, you know, a different uh, perspective, but mm-hmm. you got to do something. We have to do something. And, and who who is, it's like that pride. The system failed you too. You know, white folks, the system did not help. What what The system that was built screwed you out of knowledge. Like, I mean, and I think that people are realizing that it's like, what don't we know? And then they're realizing how much they don't know. And then they're realizing how they can't tell between the, the fact and the truth. They are losing their grip, right? Mm-hmm. And we're like, don't save the system. The system has been, has been jacked. It's working exactly the way it was designed to work. How about we just scrap that shit and start anew? Like, exactly with what you're saying. How about we just swallow that pride, right? And just realize we're in a different place now. We have different ability now you know we have a different science we have a different society we have a different community levels we have different leaders you know we have a way we have a much a, a, a possibility of opening this up in such a way that forefathers would never have thought of you know what i mean like it's it's like can we but look i have a friend of mine she's Paiute, and she's one of my best friends and I remember she, she and I, we were talking about something, and I was like, I was like, what's going on? And she's like, girl, look, these white folks are in the middle of the day drama, and they have white, white man problems, and so I'm just waiting till it's over. <laughs> and I was like, I was laughing because I was like, ain't that the truth? Like we're just all waiting for them to get a grip, you know? And we're like, it's not that serious, y'all. Like just. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, just settle down. It's all good. Don't nobody want to hurt you. Don't nobody want to... We're just trying to be out here living equitably. That's all. Exactly. Exactly. We're not taking nothing. We just want something. Like, we just want access. That's all. Just uh, There's plenty. You know? <laughs> so, anyway, I, uh, I, like, super appreciate this conversation and that you came and we, that we were able to talk. Um, I want I, I have so many more questions for you, so we definitely have to do a part two. But I know you have somewhere to be a four, and here I am. Uh, I have somewhere to go. I appreciate you being patient with me today. No worries, thank you. Thank yeah, and um, I feel like we could do a part two. What you think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we can definitely do one. I think so because I want to know more about you and what you've been doing in the community and how you're in. You know, um, I don't have a lot of. of I don't know why, but I don't have a lot of men that come on my show, and we need a, a, a perspective, black men, you know, um, or people who present as men. Like we just don't have a lot on the show, and I'm welcome <laughs> to anyone who wants to come and talk. But I feel like these conversations need to be heard from both sides, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, I agree. Man, good luck with your job search, because this is <laughs> this is um, something that I can't. I mean, I I can't I I can't imagine trying to do it in Eugene like I have had my own I mean I've been tokenized probably every job that I've had um yeah I'm trying to remember if I've ever had like multiple black women that work with me or black men and women that work with me in Eugene ever you know what I mean like like ever and I I mean I've had some folks uh no, not multiple. Maybe one other. You know what I mean? Yeah. And how long does it take you to, to decide if that other person is safe that you can actually talk uh, <laughs> talk about real between them? 
You're like, are you cool? Are you not cool? I don't know. And then it takes a couple months to realize that they are cool and y'all can have lunch together and stuff. But y'all really can't be having lunch together every day because then you like two of a pod. Exactly. <laughs> All that we have to go through. Ooh, anyway, did you have any last pieces that you want to say before we go? Uh, no, I think I'm good for now. You good? Let's do that. Let's get that part two going, though. Oh, I'm down. I'm definitely down. All right, well, thank you so much, Martin, and I'm I'm going to try to figure out how to get this on Facebook. <laughs> All right, thank you. Take it easy. Right? Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye.